fired up and uh, find the book of Romans chapter 12 with me. Let me tell you about something real quick that we're doing next week. I've got a special announcement. Next Sunday, we have live right here in this service, a special guest coming to minister named Jim Hockaday. All right. And so uh, that's next Sunday. Amen. It's going to be good. Say, why is he coming right before Christmas? Well, part of it is because, if, if you don't know, uh, he's family. And so he's married to my sister. And so they're coming in. And that's not an automatic. I don't always do that, but uh, it seemed good. So I called him. And he's coming in like at midnight on Saturday. I said, hey, you want to preach? He's always, of course, always the answer is yes. And uh, he said, you have like a, one or two services? <laughs> you know better. <laughs> Get ready for three. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be here. You're going to work. And, uh, and he's happy with that, of course. Uh, it's going to be good. So say, what about the series? The series will just take a one-week pause. And we'll come back on the following Sunday for the third part. Good deal? Started a series last week. And it is called uh, Fired Up. Amen? Amen? And uh, if you missed last week, I do want to encourage you to make sure you can go back and listen to that. Lest you be not fired up. All right? And... Uh, so fired up. This is one of the missing ingredients. It's, it's one of the primary missing ingredients to success in life. Um, it, of course, also is true concerning God, concerning his word, concerning our prayers, concerning using our gifts for him. We have to have this component of fire to make things really work. And what many try to do, absent or Without the fire of God, they find very little success. I don't understand. I memorized the verse. I learned the principle. But you lack the fire to make it work right. Let's read Romans chapter 12 again, verse 11. Romans 12, verse 11. It reads, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So there's a proper way to serve the Lord. We, would, we don't want to just say, well, I serve the Lord. No, do you serve him with fervency? That's the correct way. It's the, it's the proper approach to God is a fervent serving of him. Now, now listen to this from other translations. Amplified reads, be aglow and burning with the spirit serving the Lord. Glowing, burning. NIV, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Spiritual fervor. It's a good word. Living Bible. But serve the Lord enthusiastically. Not just serve the Lord. Serve him how? Yes. See, if you say that at too low a volume, it doesn't carry any punch. <laughs> serve the Lord how? Enthusiastically. Come on now. You already feel better, don't you? <laughs> Uh, Phillips 
says, let, let, uh, let us keep the fires of the Spirit burning as we do our work for God. ERV, be excited about serving Him. How? Come on, be excited about serving Him. I, I just feel like I have to say it that way. Uh, TPT reads, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. And so this is one of the great needs of the church today. It's fire. Uh, It's not enough to memorize scriptures and to learn principles. People need a genuine passion for God. It needs to be our motivation. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be just a religious zealot towing the line and following every rule. I want to have a real love for God inside of me that compels me to do what I do and say what I say and pray the way I pray and live the way I live and come to church the way I come to church. Come on. If something is burning hot on the inside, it totally changes the outcome. We can do the right thing in the wrong way and end up with an undesired result. But if we will have this zeal for God, I think uh, you could take this principle and this message and add it to everything else we teach. And everything else would take a step up. Amen. So you might want to bookmark this one. You might want to keep an eye on it. And so the next thing you learn, the next thing we cover, you say, okay, I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to light it up. I'm going to get the principle, I'm going to get the message, I'm going to get the, 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 the will of God, I'm going to understand his ways, and then I'm going to put a match to it. Not to get rid of it, you know. <laughs> put a match to it. I'm going to add some fire to it, add some enthusiasm to it. I'm not just going to do it, I'm going to do it with passion. That is often, like I said, the missing, missing ingredient in people's lives. It's interesting to me that God put gifts specifically in the body of Christ for this purpose. Meaning, he did not just put teachers and pastors in the, in the church. And sometimes, you know, those gifts can aid a fire and so forth. But it's interesting to me that he puts exhorters in the church. Uh, that he puts evangelists, and sometimes uh, prophetic giftings can do this. But their message, their, their drive, what it does for us often, it doesn't teach us something new, but it lights a fire under what we already have. Their way of communicating and that anointing that goes out from them basically gets us off our blessed assurance to do something for God. Amen. I mean, sometimes the teacher uh, is, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, not understanding why I I teach this. I lay it out plain, lay it out clear. No one does anything with it. (laughs) And then someone else comes by and says it half as good, (laughs) not as clear, not as precise, and everyone acts. (laughs) Everyone does it because those are gifts from God. God really did put these things in in the church because fire is so important. It is so vital. Amen. Let's consider for a moment why some believers are not here today. And obviously this is not a rebuke to anyone present. 
but consider why some are not present. Now, there may be a few good reasons out there, not many, but you know, a couple. Maybe a couple good reasons out there. But you know why a large number of people, why a large number of Christians, even in our valley, are not in church today? It's not because they don't know. It's because they have lost their fire. They have lost their fervency. And they are completely okay with sleeping in, kicking back on the couch, doing some other activity. They they have fire for other things. You might say it that way. They have passion for the slopes. (laughs) They have zeal for their Christmas tree or something. Uh, But the things of God, that fire has gone out. And so they are comfortable doing other things. They're comfortable putting God on the, on the shelf in their life. And this is what we must avoid. I'm not talking about a temporary emotional boost. I'm not speaking of being phony or fake or feigning some kind of smile. But I'm talking about a genuine fire in your belly for God and for his people. Last week I shared with you and I hope you're putting this into practice. One of the ways we do this is by adding volume to what we do. Not figurative, but literally just raising our voice. I showed you that throughout the scriptures. Christians need to shout. Christians need to, need to have some volume, not all the time, but at times in their life. You know, my, uh, one of my grandmothers, uh, when she was alive, she uh, lived in Southern California, and she had this, this car, this grand marquee, and, uh, but in this stage in her life, she was very mobile. She could go anywhere she wanted, but she didn't go very many places. Basically, she would drive her car uh, just within a few miles of where she lived. And I guess everything she needed, groceries and all that stuff, everything was pretty close. So she never got on the freeway. And uh, so her car basically never went like more than 30. <laughs> you know, it's got this big engine. And she just goes 30 or whatever the speed limit was. And apparently it had caused some problems in her engine. It's like that thing was designed to go faster than that. And occasionally, at least, you have to go fast. Amen. How many guys can relate to that? Come on. (laughs) I think I may have said in the first service that I do that occasionally and my wife spoke up. Because occasionally wouldn't be the right description (laughs) of how often I obey the law. I just get to that speed faster than you. (laughs) Anyway, your spiritual life also needs to get moving. People too often, they're just going too slow. They're using just a tenth of the potential of their spiritual power and vitality that God has placed inside of them. And sometimes they just need to go faster. They just need to be a little louder. They just need to be a little more fired up and do what they did before, but do it with a greater zeal. If not, you're going to be coughing around your little put, put, <coughs> And that's it. Your prayers are weak. Your prayers can't get up to speed. Your things are things will be lacking. God designed that you and I would put the pedal to the metal in our spiritual lives. Everybody okay? I think it's interesting how the Lord started this work, the new covenant, and world evangelism. I think it's interesting how when 
John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, said, you know, remember, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and he described him, uh, John the Baptist, who was the cousin of Jesus, but John was a preacher, a prophet. And in Luke 3, 16, he said, the one that's coming after me, he said, I'm not worthy to tie his shoes, basically. But what? He is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Why is that word there? Why is that word there? We often speak of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's awesome. What's, what about the fire? That word is there intentionally. I believe that word is to be a description of the zeal that we have for God, of the power that resides inside of us. It is not just a, 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 a light, a quiet, a 30-mile-per-hour life. Are you listening to me? Baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then the day of Pentecost came. Remember Acts chapter 2. Day of Pentecost came. And all of a sudden the 120 were in the upper room. And they start hearing the sound of, of, of a mighty rushing wind. Remember that? What's that? Sounds like wind. And the next thing that happened. Here comes the fire that John prophesied about. And cloven tongues or divided tongues of fire came and sat on each one of them. Can you imagine that picture of that? Amen. Be like one section of our church, and I look across, and everyone has a big flame on top of them. Why did the Lord do it that way? Could have done it another way. Could have put an ice cube on top of them. You know, it was in the spirit anyway. They weren't physically burning. <laughs> Fire was supposed to represent that power that was being put into their lives. It should describe your spiritual life on some level. And if it doesn't, it's time to get dipped again. It's time to get the fire of God in our lives. The apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and uh, he, said, he said this in verse, uh, chapter five, verse five, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let us not do what? Not sleep as others do. He's not saying you don't need to sleep at night anymore. Your physical body has been resurrected. No, you still need physical sleep. That's not what he's talking about. He's let, let's not sleep concerning being unaware of the day in which we live, the, the reality, the seriousness of God and his great promises and all his power. Have you ever met someone who you thought, man, this guy, this, this lady, she's asleep. Now she wasn't physically asleep, but concerning the things of God, it's like you're not even aware of what's going on around you. It made me, it, it reminded me of Bob. You know Bob? Let me show you Bob. Right, right, right. And he goes in the car right now. Come on, Bob. Come on. Bob. 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 Bob
I'm really praying that's not the way we are <laughs> spiritually. But if so, may this message and may the presence of God today be that alarm clock. Well, we're just, we can just live spiritually and be unaware of what's going on. You know, uh, the Proverbs says in 1 and 32, the complacency of fools will destroy them. And so I don't want that to be my, the description of my life and my walk with God. Amen. If you would, turn with me to 2 Timothy. It's a right turn from where you were. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Maybe you're familiar with this passage. It's awesome. It tells us the, what, what we're supposed to do. Paul writing to Timothy. You know, Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. And so Timmy, Timothy was was a young man relatively. He wasn't like a 20-year-old or anything like that, but he was still young in some respects. And then so Paul would speak into his life, and this is what he said in verse 6, 2 Timothy 1, 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What, what did Timothy need to do? Now, by the way, Timothy, he's no slacker. He's a pastor. He pastors in Ephesus. He, by some accounts, there may be 30,000 people in his church. And yet Paul is still saying to him, Timothy, you got to keep it stirred up, man. You got to keep that gift stirred up within you. Why would you say that? Because even for someone being used of God, you can let that fire go down. Listen to this uh, same passage from the Amplified Bible. It reads, that is why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. Isn't that good? So even Timothy has a real genuine gift from God. This gift came through the laying on of hands. Not all gifts come that way, but some do. And, and he needed the instruction. He needed the reminding, if you will, to keep that flame burning hot. And if he didn't do that, his gift would be unutilized. It wouldn't be fully maximized. He had to keep himself and that gift in him stirred up fanned into a flame. Well, what causes a person's flame to go out, their fire to wane? You know, there's different things that do, but one of them has to do with the uh, associations. It has to do with your wet blanket friends. Someone said, oh, that's me you're talking about. <laughs> well, we'll dry you out here and... <laughs> Do you know your associations can have a huge effect upon you? And uh, there are often people who they go around putting everybody else's fire out. And there's just a wet blanket going somewhere to happen. Anytime someone gets excited, they're, they're trying to tamp them down. Anytime someone has zeal for the Lord, they're, you know, they're calling them extreme or something like that. Uh, but they don't have any fire themselves. Um, have you ever encountered someone who was very excited for God? What did that do to you? What did, what did their life, what did their example do for you? I tell you, it can, it can 
be very, very beneficial to get around people who are boiling hot, on fire for the Lord. Because their excitement wears off on us, it becomes contagious. Likewise, those who are lukewarm also have an effect upon others. It's often a negative effect. But I don't want to surround myself with lukewarm people. I don't want to surround myself with a bunch of wet blankets lest they put my fire out. Everybody okay? So I'm asking you, here's, the, here's, the, here's a real important thought for today. Who do you spend time with? And what's the condition of their life? What's the condition of their zeal for God? And is it having a negative effect on you? If every time you're around certain people, you know who they are and do they inspire you to live for the Lord more or less? Do they encourage you to be involved in the things of God on a greater level? Or are you more, you know, more likely to sin when you're with them? Are you more likely to put uh, church and worship and prayer and the word of God on the back shelf as a result of being with them? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Are they the ones that are always encouraging you to go hit the slopes on Sunday morning? <laughs> Just a thought. Okay, a good thought. <laughs> we need to look, look at who we are with and the impact they are having upon our lives. You know, uh, Samson, have you ever heard of him? Samson from the Old Testament, the book of Judges, chapter 15, is an example I want to use. Uh, but Samson was a, a, a man that was called of God and, and, and anointed as a judge of Israel to bring deliverance from the, the people, the Philistines. And uh, Samson, you know, had the special gifting, and it was strength. And so he was able to do what it took many people to do all by himself. And he wasn't exactly a role model, by the way. He had women problems. Uh, he, had, he was self-centered. And, and anyway, there's a lot about his life we don't want to follow. But we, can do, we do see some types and shadows and, and how the gift of God works and so forth. But one day, he was getting back at the Philistines. And so uh, he was fired up, you could say. <laughs> his, I don't know that his motive was good, but it, just, it does give us a, a type and a parallel here. Is he went out and got foxes tied their tails together, put a torch in between them and let these foxes, 300 foxes, by the way, uh, and let them off into the fields of the Pharisees to burn up their crops. But I think that's interesting. I think about the fire between two. And I see that principle carrying out into our day. In fact, in, when Jesus had his disciples, he sent them out by twos. Pair up. And go into this place and this place. And they seem to have more effectiveness when they would go as, as a pair, as more than one. In the Acts of the Apostles, the, uh, we often read about Paul and, his, and the different teams. Paul and Silas would go minister together. God wants to use the fire in one and the fire in another to create something that will totally light up um, an area. Amen. Maybe that's why God in the beginning created Adam and Eve, right? And that marriage, it's supposed to be a, a, a fire there. That's why he didn't create Adam and Eve and Eve and Eve and Eve and, yeah. or whatever their names are. 
polygamy is what I'm talking about. <laughs> that wasn't his design. <laughs> but he created a man and a woman, and that's supposed to do something. It's supposed to elevate their spiritual life. Now, don't take by this, this by any means, if someone's saying, I'm married to a wet blanket, I guess I just need to get away from them. No, you don't. No, uh, you need to pray for them. <laughs> you need to have fire yourself, but that covenant is an important thing, and, uh, and you pray for them. So how, how long? Well, the rest of your life. And you get to a place where hopefully the fire can be mutual and you can go together. Uh, it is harder if it's only one person. That's just a fact. But you're in there, so, you know, seek the Lord, pray. But God does work this way. I know that if we spend the right time with the right people, it can have a tremendous impact. I, I, have, I could look back at my own life and note that some of the ways that God got me to where I needed to be was through the fire in other people. Relationships were established. It's like, man, this is a God connection here. Because I went around this person. I pray more. When I'm around this person, I seek the will of God more. I want to do his will for my life. When I'm around this person, all I want to do is goof around. But this person, they have a positive effect. And, of course, we ought to have that positive effect upon other people. I, I recall sharing um, with this lady years ago about these, these special meetings. where We were doing these special meetings, and God was moving, revival-type meetings. And I remember inviting this lady and telling her about what was happening. I said, you should come to this. And I was telling her some of the things that were going on and the healings and the different things that were going on. And, and, and she looked at me, and she said, you're like on fire. <laughs> I didn't realize how, how big it was inside of me and how it was coming out my eyes and coming out my words. And because of that, she said, well, yeah, I'm going to come. If I would have been just kind of ho-hum, hey, yeah, if you ever want to come, you know, maybe I could save you a seat. You know, if you have time. People don't respond to that. Sometimes you have the same message delivered in a different way, and it produces an entirely different result. This is why evangelism works when the people who are speaking and sharing Jesus are excited about him. If we're not, yeah, it just doesn't have the same effect. Great information without fire often gets ignored. There's an old uh, saying or a quote. It's often attributed to John Wesley. I don't really know where it came from, but it goes something like this. Um, Light yourself on fire and people will come from miles away to watch you burn. And I thought, well, yeah, that's the way I want our church to be. That's the way I want to be. Meaning there's something so real and so alive and so, you know, we're, we have this enthusiasm, this zeal for God that it is just so uh, natural and normal for us that people are curious. What's going on over there? What's happening over there? Why are those people so fired up and excited about this? And they want to come see for themselves. Amen. And you get close enough to us and what happens? Your wick lights up too. <laughs> Amen. You know, one of the things we teach, one of the things I speak to other pastors about is uh, church growth, growing their churches and getting bigger. Uh, one of the reasons I'm able to do that is simply because from the time we started our church in 2001, every year we've seen consistent growth, all right? And uh, 
because of that, you, you know, you learn a few things on the way. And then you also gain credibility in the eyes of others who are serving the Lord who are not growing. And so they listen. And I'm happy to oblige. I'm happy to share what I know. And I love to do it. Love to see the kingdom of God increase and expand it all over the world. Um, and so we teach, you know, different principles and this principle here and there. Uh, and, and some of it just comes down to this, though. No matter what your systems are, no matter what your principles are, one of the often overlooked qualities of effective ministry is simply that you are excited about what you're doing. You can have the best program in the world. You can have the best system and the best strategy and the best logo and the best location. And if you are not excited about the things of God, if your wood is wet, you know, uh, that's the problem. Because who wants to listen to that? If it's not real to you, amen. And that's true for you and me and all of us in our lives. This works when we're excited about it. You know, if I go to a passage and I look at a scripture and, and, I, begin, and I begin to teach something that, that you've heard before, something that you, maybe you've studied many times in your life and, and your first thought when the scripture is about to be read is, ah, yeah, I already know that one. Yeah, I've heard that one like a bunch. Can we do something new? You know what my understanding of that is? Is you don't have it like you think you have it. When, when you have this, it could be John 3, 16. And you're like, oh, good. That's, that's a good one right there. God so loved the world. It may be the very first verse you ever heard in your life. And when you hear it, it lights up on the inside of you. That's when you know you have it. But if it's, uh, you know, here we go again. Your wood is wet. <laughs> and it's time to light this thing up. Because God's word does not work for those who are not excited about it. And if you're saying, oh, I'm not. I see what you're saying. That's me. What do I do? I've told you a couple things and we're not done. Lift your voice and shout even when you don't feel like it. I'm telling you, praise God with a volume. I'm saying, get around people who also have this zeal for God. I'm trying to do something. I'm trying to create a ministry here that facilitates it. That's why we say, get involved and serve and get on a team. You need to get around people who are fired up. That's why we say, get in a life group. Connect with people. You've got to be around people. Rub shoulders with those who are doing things for God. Amen. Those are two of the principles. We're not finished yet. But let me show you one more verse today, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. Till next time. It's in the book of James. Uh, James chapter 5. And I want you to notice with me, James 5 and verse 16. It reads, Confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, 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 how many recognize you're not confessing your trespasses to one another or praying for one another if you're not with one another? This was written before you could text someone. Sorry. <laughs> you actually had to be in the same vicinity. You couldn't even call them on the phone and say, hey, you know, sorry about that. Wanted to, you know... And then seek their prayers. You had to be within the same area as them. I believe it, it's, it's possible to pray for people who are far away. 
There's no doubt that you can do that. But I would rather pray for someone who's right with me. If you call me and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'll do it. You know, I'll pray for you. I'd rather you be here. I'd rather put my hands on you. Let the power flow out. I'd rather release the anointing into you. Why? I see that in scripture and it's just, there are more results that happen that way. Yeah? I can tell you times and if I had time, I'll tell you some stories. But I know my life has greatly been impacted by being present where fire was. And I say fire in the spiritual sense. Where the anointing of God was on some other man or woman of God. And I got my head in there. You know what I mean by that? Put, the hand, put your hand right there, right there. Put the <laughs> Grab, touch me. Put your hands on me. Let that power flow. <laughs> I, I remember when I, when I was a Bible school student and the, the man of God, the prophet would I, sometimes lead this meeting called prayer school. And I heard one day, hey, Brother Hagin's laying hands on people today. And I was working. As I went to school and then worked some days at the airport, and I'm wearing my khakis and my shuttle shirt, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I would get to those prayer meetings as often as I could. But this day, I'm working, but I heard, he's laying hands on people today. I thought, uh, and I'm at work get looking for someone to cover for me. Can you switch with me? Switch with me? I'm, I need to leave. And I put my pedal to the metal, make sure my car worked. <laughs> worked well. And I, rem I remember going over there and running in there, not dressed like everyone else was, because I knew there's going to be a transfer of anointing here. And I got in that line. It's like, put that on me. Listen, some of you probably never have experienced this. I know many of you have. You've never experienced the power of God going from one person to another through the laying on of hands. It is awesome. And, and, and if ever I get an opportunity, I'm in that line. I'm in that line. I tell you, uh, I know my life has been changed and I've been added to. And, and, and again, I can't go through all the stories right now. But if you get that opportunity, you get in the line. If it's the right call, I don't mean that we can just make something happen and transfer anything we want just by our will. But when the Spirit is present, when God is leading us to do certain things, you know. See, this is almost a third point already. But that, but that, that fire gets transferred. Gifts sometimes get put that way, put in. That's how Timothy got his gift. They laid hands on him, and all of a sudden he was, you know, supernaturally enabled to do what he couldn't do before. Praise God. Anyway, the book of James, this is the verse I was trying to get to. The latter part of the verse says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What kind of prayer avails much? fervent prayer. You saw the right word there. The fervent prayer. What if my prayers aren't fervent? They don't avail much. They don't access the power that we want and that we need. There is a certain type of prayer that makes a difference, and it's a fervent prayer. I tell you, sometimes our prayers, they lack heat. They need to be brought up to temperature. They need the zeal and fire of God behind them. And I'm, again, I'm not saying it's just emotional, but if the, if the presence and power of God never affects our emotions, we might be misconnecting here. I'm not an overly emotional person. I'm not quick to cry, but I tell you, I've been under the presence of God before where tears are coming down my face. And I'm thinking, hey, this is not how I act. 
but bring it on, Lord. And I prayed for things that were real, that were alive. And it sometimes is expressed physically. It's expressed emotionally. But I'm not talking about just starting in an emotional standpoint. I'm talking about it's coming from deep within. There's a fire. There's a zeal like Jesus had when he flipped over the tables. Amen. Why do some people lack effectiveness in their prayer? Lack of fervency. Lack of fervency. And if we will pray that way, if we will serve the Lord that way, then we're doing it acceptably. It's worthy of the God in which we are praying to. It's worthy of the God that we are serving. Amen. I don't want to put heaven to sleep with my prayers. Amen. Let's unhook right there, like a train, unhook, and we'll hook back up next time. And no, in two weeks. But next week, with our guest, by the way, his ministry has fired me up on many occasions. It's one of those anointings I go, yes! Mm! I can take the world. I can believe God for mountains to be moved. Amen. Father, thank you for working in us today. Thank you for your mighty power, your great presence, your Holy Spirit who lives and abides on the inside. And I pray today that the fire of your presence, oh, the fire of the Holy Spirit 